You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with our favorite guest co-host, DC Lucchese, who is the man on the mic today. And we are here with two awesome guys from Night Swim Coffee. We are here with Todd Huber, Huber and James Yoder. And let's talk a little bit about Night Swim Coffee if you've never heard about it. No, arguably, like nobody, like, you know, loves coffee more than our guest host here, DC, right? Like DC loves coffee. Actually, I think DC comes Amen. in our office and he better have a coffee before you talk to anybody. And I know that's what Scott Dunstan knows as well, but our yeah. guests on this episode are the real professionals in the coffee world. And let's set the stage. Two successful Charlotte coffee shop owners decide that they'll try their hand at a joint venture in a local coffee space, Enter Night Swim Coffee. Now, James and Todd met up at a coffee convention and I'd like to know how we get a ticket to that show. We can talk about that another time um, but what they've done is they've hatched out this plan that is now three full service cafes and a roastery uh, all of those locations have come online in less than a year and I'm just excited to learn about this brand learn about how they started it taking you know two kind of entrepreneurs coming together to create a joint venture is really exciting and uh, let's jump right into it Todd and James welcome to this episode of the brand builders podcast hi thank you thanks guys appreciate you having us here today yeah, happy yeah. to be here. And just to clarify, it's uh, Todd and his wife Erin and my wife Miracle. We're all four partners in the venture, so we cannot forget get them. That. We can't. We weren't blessed with their presence, so we're stuck with these two. We want to get, so home. We wanna yeah. get home safely. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, they're the brains behind it. Well, we got the spokespeople here. Here we go. Um, so let's talk about you know first off how this started. You know, two businesses presumably in competition with each other now end up as partners. Todd and James, tell us how this all started and tell us a little bit about you know that journey. Sure. So, you know, I'm Todd Huber. Uh, my wife and I owned and operated Undercurrent Coffee. When I met James, James and Miracle owned and operated not just coffee, which at that point had been around for, what, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. We were fairly new into the space at Undercurrent. And um, James and I were in Atlanta at the Specialty Coffee Association Expo, which is a global um, expo for coffee professionals attended by thousands of people. It's a lot of fun. They do it all over the country um, each year. So I was introduced to James at a party. And then the next day, we ran into each other on the street, both waiting for a taxi or maybe an Uber to go to lunch. Uh, we decided to go to lunch together, started talking, and really hung out the rest of the weekend, realized we lived about a mile from each other back here in Charlotte. He lived in Optimus Park. We lived in Plaza Midwood. And pretty quickly, we started talking about business daily. We started hanging out pretty frequently. We opened Undercurrent shortly thereafter. And at that point, you know, we became good friends. We realized we had very similar ways of thinking about our businesses and how we were going to grow, what we wanted to do, how we wanted to accomplish that, the types of people that we brought into organizations, the type of communities that we wanted to serve. So over time, pretty quickly actually, probably within a year, it just sort of made sense that working together could be a lot of fun, could be very beneficial to both of us, to both of our groups, um, to the teams that we have, our wives, our managers, our locations. We were we were competing with each other, and we also realized we were going to be increasingly competing with each other, given the nature of where we are focused in the core of Charlotte. I think we both prefer not to have to drive very far, at least to start. So I think a lot of our philosophy and our strategy was to grow as close to our homes as possible and grow out in sort of like concentric circles, mm-hmm. or is you know to just fill in all the spaces. And yeah. we lived in a great market for for that, you know, given the kind of nascent market that Charlotte had with coffee, really until not just coffee open in 2010, 2011, and 
But then it took a few years before things started to really come online. So, you know, that's part of it. James, you want to add anything? Yeah, well, we that? started also one thing, you know, we realized is when we would catch up and talk business, we were both getting the same opportunities sent our way. Like, you know, a realtor would send us both, you know, um, an email that said, hey, this would be a great undercurrent or a great not just coffee. And we realized that pattern just kept repeating. And <laughs> and then we were sharing a lot of business information anyway. You know, coffee, there's not a ton of um, information on it out there. There's it's um, it's a relative specialty coffee is a relatively new industry. And, um, you know, so I think we really found value in, in being able to share information about our, you know, policies, practices, how we operate, um, revenue, margins, all those things. And and, um, you know, Todd and I come from different backgrounds and have different skill sets. And we found those to be really complementary. So, um, it, yeah, it just kind of snowballed. Yeah. And we were kind of working together on a daily basis, almost with competing businesses. Mm-hmm. And then it was sort of a light bulb where it was like, well, why don't we just do this together? Yeah, and it's a, it's a challenging yeah. business running the coffee shop coffee shop model is not easy. Um, there are so many factors that can destroy an even good model in a good location. So we just realized that the, to, to take on this struggle and challenge to focus on something we were both very passionate about and we thought we did well together would make this struggle to grow and challenge a lot more feasible and viable. Um, you know, a larger, more diversified business by nature has more cushion to withstand. All the things that happened to us in the last few years have been a really good example we had started this project pre-COVID and then got through COVID together, running our businesses separately, but then, you know, together, and then really created Night Swim during that time period. So that gave us actually a little bit of, of time as things slowed down some, while at the same time we were really focused on trying to navigate these unseen and unprecedented circumstances. And that's another time we realized, okay, we can work well together, get through these things, create and develop a brand and a business all during a period of time where people didn't know what was going to happen next, which is very common in business just on a different different level and a different landscape. So that was a really interesting time to start this process and then get through it. And to your point, within a year we had opened, we've had four cafes and the roastery, and now our fifth location is going to open hopefully in the next three to four months. Yeah, the one in Pineville, yeah. I'm looking at it. It looks amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. I mean, on, on this is not a coffee yeah. shop. This, yeah. like this is an establishment. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not just like a little hole-in-the-wall coffee shop. Like Y'all got to go to nightswimcoffee.com and check this out. Um, I do I have just a quick yeah. question. This is kind of funny. You guys sitting, you know, drinking coffee, and both your phones go off with the same email from the realtor, and you're both thinking... <laughs> Man, I wonder how many other people they've sent this to. We better jump on this. And you're like, did you get that email? Did you get that email? So that's pretty interesting. We, um, you know, in our industry, I'm just going to jump in this real quick. I think COVID specifically, you know, maybe four or five years ago, you looked at a lot of people as competition, right? And in our industry, specifically from a marketing standpoint, took a huge hit. Like what's one thing people are not going to spend right. when the when you don't know what the, the future is going to hold? And that's that. Our industry and a lot of people, I would say maybe the, the 10% that are, you know, trying to be proactive and figure out what the next five years are going to look like really came together and created a lot of groups and challenged each other in different cities and and bounced ideas off of each other and instead of looking at people when you go to a conference as competition it was really how can we elevate this industry as a whole and i have a lot of friends in multiple different cities that do exactly what we do but at the same time maybe four years ago i would be like oh i'm not you know i'm not going to share our secrets with them 
But now we connect on a level where we're friends and we challenge each other to be better. And if something's working in Chicago, why can't it work in Charlotte? Uh, you guys obviously took that even further being so close in Charlotte and working together. But I love the collaboration aspect of it. And I would challenge anybody in this, you know, listening to the podcast in your own specific industry, you don't have to be a mentor, but connect with other people and see what they're doing that could work. You, you might find friendship. Heck, you might even find partnership like you guys have. So that's a really, really cool story. Um, let's back up. How did you get into coffee? And I'm going to mention this. I I, uh, I listen to Spotify a lot and there's like a Shopify ad now that's a guy that started a coffee shop. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but it's like, yeah, the first year all I did was burn beans, you know, and, and now I'm killing it right now. Who knows if that's true, but I just kind of laugh. It's like, I wonder how many people try to, to start brewing their own coffee at home or try to turn it into a business. So we'd love to, to hear both of your journeys, how you got into this specific uh, industry. Sure, yeah. My wife and I moved to Charlotte in 2009 um, and it was not like a really planned move. It was uh, slightly unexpected. And we both come from a, a background where we traveled a lot. We worked with nonprofits and moving to Charlotte, we were very broke for one and we didn't have any <laughs> specific um, career plans. Um, at the time. And of course, you know, 2009 was a, a wild time generally. And so we ended up bootstrapping. We both had a love and passion for food and drink and, and coffee specifically. Um, we had moved here from Italy and um, we bootstrapped a small location in Optimus Park on 15th Street where Bird Pizzeria is now. Um, we live we live right up on 18th Street, so we can just kind of walk on down and grab the best pizza in Charlotte. Some of the best pizza in Charlotte. Um, but yeah, I think from a from a business perspective, I think I definitely fell into that category of people that were like, oh, I want to open a coffee shop. It sounds like a cool idea. Not really knowing how the business worked or yeah. how challenging it was. Um, but I fell in love with it and um, it was a lot of work. But, uh, you know, I just saw this like demand for it. People started coming in and there was an excitement and specialty coffee was seeing a shift kind of nationally and internationally already. And we were sort of like right on the cusp of that mm -hmm. kind of unknowingly. And then like, it's just exploded since then. And so yeah. we, you know, fairly rapidly were able to expand and we moved up to the 7th Street Public Market mm -hmm. in Uptown and, you know, just saw really great um, feedback from, from people. People were coming from out of town, driving 45 minutes on Saturdays to come get coffee. And um, it was just such a neat thing. We partnered with Counterculture Coffee originally, which is, you know, an incredible right. roaster out of Durham. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was sort of our, you know, brief, brief overview of our origin. So with Aaron and I, we started dating about 21 years ago, similar to James and Miracle. And within a couple of years, she noticed how much that I loved coffee and coffee shops. And probably around 19 years ago. It took she, her that long to figure that out? Uh, <laughs> she, she, she was thoughtful. She wanted to make oh, sure okay. she, you know, Making sure analyzed she's reading the, the room right. Reading the room right. So good, good question. Didn't um, want to put words in his mouth. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but she suggested at that point that I open a coffee shop. Um, at that point in time, you know, I noted that I appreciated that she observed my passion and love, but I thought that was fairly ridiculous as a thought at that point in time. <laughs> um, so, we, you know, we moved on and we lived in Florida at the time. In 2007, we moved to Charlotte. Um, I was working in with a financial institution, came here to work for Wachovia. And um, we noticed very quickly that there were very few coffee shops. Now, this was a few years before Nacho's Coffee mm -hmm. was over there and, uh, you know, 7th Street Market and their previous origin. But um, Aaron, we, we moved to Plaza Midwood, and Aaron emailed Starbucks three or four times trying to encourage them to bring a Starbucks to Plaza Midwood. Because really, you know, between Caribou Coffee and Starbucks, there weren't a lot of, right, oh, yeah, or any yeah, other yeah, options, frankly. Know, yeah. So that was what we knew, and we wanted to have coffee and coffee shops around us. It never came. Not just coffee opened. I always hoped that not just coffee would come to Plaza Midwood. That would, you know, have my fingers crossed for a long time. 
Um, by 2015, I was still in banking, but around that time, had some life uh, life challenges and ended up taking some time off work in late 2015 and then decided to leave my career, which I've been doing for almost 15 years at that time. Looked around, and even though Nasha's Coffee had their two locations, it was Central Coffee was not too far down the street. At that point, there still wasn't a whole lot in Charlotte. I was ready for a new challenge. Really wanted to work in my community because the, the type of banking I did never involved people in my city or even state, whether I was in Florida or North Carolina. So I decided to open a coffee shop in Plaza Midwood. You know, saw Plaza booming, um, knew that it thought strongly it could sustain a very good concept. Also knew, I, I recognized how challenging a coffee shop could be, a coffee business could be. So started developing Undercurrent with the thought of scaling and growing. So we could really put a lot of effort into creating something that would be terrific and then be able to, to grow. So that was always the plan. I didn't really know how it would be accomplished. I didn't know anyone in the space, didn't have any information. Like James, um, I had a good career to learn how to find information. There really wasn't a lot. Made a lot of mistakes early on. But then we got Undercurrent opened after about almost two years from the time we signed the lease. We had some horrific uh, construction challenges. But we got it open and got going. And you know, from that point on, we've been fully immersed and then quickly met James and, you know, the, as we mentioned in the rest of the story. Well, let me, let me ask you this. So in, so in uh, 7, 8, and 9, 2007, 8, and 9, right, when the economy was less than awesome, uh, I remember reading this article about Starbucks and how Starbucks was incredibly profitable during that time. And they were saying, the CEO of Starbucks was saying, yeah, man, you know, those who have money still do and still spend money with us, but those who may have splurged on other things and have now had to cut back say, Can, you know what? I can rah-rah myself or treat myself with this still. So three, four, five, six dollars, I can still afford that or maybe I'm backing down from something more expensive into this. So did that, was that even on your radar at the time when you were starting the business? Or did that give you any sort of, you know what, maybe there's a little security into jumping into something like this as opposed to, you know, going with a full tilt, full service restaurant, which is even more volatile than, than retail at, yep. at, the, at the coffee levels. Was any of that in your mind as as you were opening up the first go around? Not, not like as a precursor to opening, but during the process of opening and, mm-hmm. and running a business, um, you know, that definitely occurred to me. We saw a lot of people um, coming for business meetings, networking meetings, right. inter- job interviews, um, you know, just trying to meet people, you know, yeah. during a time when the economy was less than ideal, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that, you know, we haven't been like a full-fledged business through a recession, and we've just chatted about that the other day because yeah. there's obviously, you know, um, possibly don't a recession even, in the air. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, I, I it'll, do. It'll never happen again. Yeah, it'll never happen. <laughs> it'll never hold, happen. On, hold on a second there. <laughs> Delete, delete. There you go. (laughs) But I do think that coffee does occupy an interesting space in regard to that because, you know, if you go and have a $5 latte and meet a friend, you have access to a beautiful space, um, you know, comfortable seating, good music, interacting with interesting people. You know, I think people that work in coffee or baristas are interesting. The the clientele is very diverse. Um, So for a relatively low ticket, you can have an incredible experience where, you know, on the flip side, you go anywhere, you go to a brewery for a single beer and you're going to pay twice as much as you will for, you know, even a latte that takes a lot more work. A lot, you know, um, I love beer too, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's really interesting because it's it's true. Despite the fact that people sometimes have noticed that the price of coffee is going up, it's still such an incredible value. And so even during a downturn, um, I think there's reasons for people to be there. But to James's point, um, incredibly... We haven't had a recession, not including what happened with COVID for a few months, which was which we decided to do and then moved on. And yeah. still, everyone kind of continued from a liquidity perspective to do very well. Um, we haven't seen that in so long. And um, well, you know, we've been 
around during the previous few recessions. I was working at Wachovia when it failed in their headquarters building. Understand how businesses get affected. We still, even analytically, don't see the numbers other than Starbucks for local independent coffee shops. And then as business operators, we've never had to operate through that. COVID was so different and had different challenges and resources. I don't really, we don't think that's really very comparable. So it's interesting, but we also don't believe in timing markets. I don't think there's really, oftentimes getting into a business or buying an asset during a recession or during a downturn is the best time to buy it. So it might be the worst time for business, but the best time to invest. Sure, sure, and then it yeah. can flip the other way. So you just have, all we have is the present moment. And I think we always just try to take advantage of what's right in front of us because yeah. we have no idea what's gonna happen going forward. So we just look at the mm-hmm. present environment and we make our decisions. Yeah. Do you, so this is curious, and, and in our world, I, I'm, I'm gonna use Yeti as an example, right? You look at like the Tumblr space in general. Now, obviously Yeti's brand is coolers and everything else. Not a sponsor. Right, not a sponsor, <laughs> not a sponsor. But Yeti came into the world, and, and let's use an example like Tervis. Tervis would be like the not blockbuster, a not a sponsor. But Tervis would be like the, the, the blockbuster of the Tumblr world. Yeti comes in, finds a market for a 30 to $40 Tumblr. You know, who would have thought that somebody would have spent 30 to $40 on a Tumblr? Hmm. Well, guess who went back to work? Turbis. And now they've created their own stainless steel tumblers because now that market is there, right? It's not just buying a $5 plastic Tumblr. You now have a market that's substantially more expensive, that substantially has a brand. And I kind of look at this and tell me if I'm wrong, but with Starbucks, Starbucks, you know, came in and before if you went to like a, you know, a, a small fast food restaurant or you're at, you know, whatever, it's like, Black coffee, do you want some creamer, right? There were coffee shops out there, but I don't know if they were so mainstream. Starbucks comes in and kind of creates this brand where, hey, you can go spend $7 for a coffee. And not only that, people like love it. And now I think the next step is Starbucks is great, but I can get even better coffee that's at a local establishment that has an even better kind of, you know, third space thing. Sure. Yeah. It's, the third, it's what James it, experienced there in Italy. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really good point where you're saying, because yeah. like a lot of people in specialty coffee will, um, or historically will talk shit about Starbucks, but we wouldn't have a business if Starbucks hadn't come along and sort of set that foundation for it. You know, I think they're an amazing company. And, you know, we, we consider our quality to, like you said, a, a step above them. Yeah. But, you know, their model was they were going to scale. They brought espresso machines into um, mainstream America, where you did not see that before, yeah. um, and originally even used Lamazoco machines, which are the machines we use. And then they they knew at scale they needed something super automatic, um, but they did such a great job with their branding. People felt a certain way when you walked into a Starbucks. Um, you know, you felt cool. Um, you, the, 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 <laughs> the, the 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 good branding on the cup, the smell, the the activity in there, and that's a relatively new phenomenon, right? Yeah. When we were kids, I mean, when I was a teenager, there were no star. There were Starbucks, but not yeah. where I lived, and right. that right. was something mm-hmm. that, as I you know, into my late teens, early 20s, when I started even becoming familiar with Starbucks myself. And to me, it was an incredible place. And that is what brought me into coffee culture. That's where I fell in love with coffee shops. And there were some amazing Starbucks coffee shops that really inspired Mm -hmm. me throughout my life. That's why we reached out even in 2007 Mm -hmm. for Starbucks and would have been very excited at that point to have one in our neighborhood. So yeah, I think very highly Starbucks too. They're an incredible role model. We don't try to be them, but they definitely paved the way for people like us and institutions like ours. Yeah. Now, have either of you read, Brian, I'll ask you the same question too. Yash, it's questions for you as well. Have any of you read The History of the World in Six Glasses? I have, yes. yes. So, you know, when you yes. talk about that coffee culture, right, it's like, you know, how back do you, how far back do you want to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is amazing. 
the book is not a sponsor. <laughs> but, but it is. Disclaimers. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We're just throwing out freebies all day. That's exactly. how we do over here, right? Exactly. It's like, oh my yeah. gosh. It's like, Can you guys just reference Night Swim on your own? Yeah. 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 Uh, by the way, it's Night Swim Coffee. That's who we're talking yeah. about here. Well, you know, it's funny. Coca-Cola was one of those was one of those drinks. And I, yes. hadn't, I hadn't drank Coke in so long. I literally yes. went out at a restaurant. And I drank Coke. And I just really appreciated it and thought right. about all those things I had read in that book. And all of a sudden, yeah. that experience of drinking the Coke at, at dinner a year ago or so after I read that book was really, really nice. It really meant a lot more to me, just understanding the culture and the context, similar yeah. to, to coffee and alcohol right. and the other But I the think the drinks. difference there with coffee and Coke, and I love the— I Big love differences, the, yes. Right. The yeah. big difference with coffee was that coffee, in, you know, when it became, I guess for lack of a better description, in the modern world, uh, it, was, it was the drink of— uh, radicals and, you know, <laughs> and, and not, I don't want to say ne'er-do-wells, but, you know, table turners and things like that. So it was like, oh, man. Yeah, so the provocateurs. They, I mean, right, it was. So we, thank you. Excellent it SAT for, word. So. There you go. I've <laughs> <laughs> so, been waiting all day to use that word. Yeah. Opportunity. <laughs> yes. It's like word of the day. But, but, but the point of that is, like, if they, they tried to regulate it and all that because of that, because of the people that were getting into it. Then you saw that same thing happen again in the 60s with the, uh, with, you know, Counterculture, yep. right? At, at coffee shops and things like that. Do you think there's a future in coffee shops for being the hotbeds? No pun intended. Uh, beds, not a sponsor for uh, for radical activity going forward. Well, that's a. I mean, that's a big question. I think. I think continually, specialty coffee does kind of um, have that already. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of sort of activist, social justice activism yeah. that involves, you know, people that are working with third wave coffee. Mm -hmm. um, but it's such a it's such a huge uh, field. I mean, you have the growers, you have the importers. Right. On the cafe side is actually, I mean, I would imagine a smaller portion of the people that actually work in coffee, right? Yeah. Um, and that's typically where you see that sort of like political activism or, you know, people are the difference between going out and having several beers where maybe you get a little more subdued and, and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, you're getting drunker with coffee, you're getting more caffeinated and energized yeah. and your brain's shooting off a mile a minute. Well, I mean, ca coffee introduced caffeine to, mm -hmm. to humans and right. caffeine is one of the, the better lubricants to facilitate thought and um, especially thought that original thought and in, in a lot yeah. of ways, original thought is going to lead to provocation and all of the other sure. things that you alluded to and in, in ways that previously weren't able to be done as efficiently. So yeah, I don't remember I if it was in that book, but there was some ruler who like banned coffee shops. Do you remember? It was in that book. Was, was, it, was yeah. it in that book? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which which makes sense. Um, yeah. Totally. Definitely. It's the use of startups, right? Yeah. It's like a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it will continue to to yeah. play that role over time, and it'll play a lot of other roles. But I think that will it'll always have its place for for that role in our society. With your You're trying to start a revolution, DC. Yeah, I am, and I'm just trying to figure out uh, which coffee shop yeah, I'm going to yeah, start yeah. it from. Are we going to Night Swim <laughs> Coffee to start the revolution? <laughs> It'll probably it, be from the grocery. Sponsor. I'll yeah. have more room it, to run around. Not a sponsor. <laughs> is uh, this is an interesting question? So, if in, in like guys, I said this again, but go check out Night Swim Coffee and definitely go check out their roastery and cafe, 4500 Old Pineville Road. Looks absolutely beautiful. Can't wait to check it out. What I'm in this is a big space, and I want to know when you guys decided not only to take over this space or to build out this space, did it ever come and cross your mind? You know, post COVID, I don't even say post COVID, but during COVID, a lot of people's work schedules changed, right? A lot of people got to work from home. Well, working from home is not for me, right? But I love taking a laptop into a coffee shop, like it's something cool about it. It's almost kind of like 
uh, like like Huga, right? There's a lot of people that are, are doing a lot of different things, but you kind of feel that energy. Did that come to mind? And, and how has the traffic been? Do you guys have a lot of people that will go in there and sit for a couple hours and 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 that's really where they do their business now. It's not working in an office or even working at home. They're like, hey, I'm gonna go to night some coffee in the morning, maybe even have a meeting there. How has that kind of changed over the last couple of years? And is, is that something in your vision yeah. when you set that up? So it, business has increased post COVID. We've seen, you know, 2019 was a great year. Awesome. And 2021 and 2022 uh, on, our, on our revenue line have been materially better. And I think that surprised us to some extent that what you described has always been part of what brings people to coffee shops. But I think you're right. Since COVID, because of the work from home in now hybrid environment, there are more people working from the coffee shops. More people are getting used to it. I think more people want to continue to do that. I don't think that was part of our plan or vision. You know, at least for me, I I don't like to look at the you know the current recession, what's impending, and then plan for that. I think things change so much. We kind of look over long periods of time and in front and behind us and to create what we think will work through all of those things. So, you know, I think we observed that happening, but we were ready for both. And another counterexample, which has also affected us, is the work from home has benefited some cafes, but it's been to the detriment of others. We have four cafes uptown, two Night Swim Coffees and two Notches Coffees, and those have been significantly adversely affected by that trend. So that's another reason why diversification and scale is very valuable, because if we just owned a coffee shop in 7th Street Market, for example, it would be gone. And you yep. know when you own a couple or even four and two or three are uptown, it, they might not exist anymore. But when you own, now we have 11 or 12. And as that grows, there will be issues and weaknesses in some, there will be strength in others. We hope there's strength in all of them, but diversification is really important. But that trend is certainly affecting coffee. And I think it probably yeah. will to some extent over time. Yeah, that's a great point. Location's everything. Now you guys both still run your OG brands as well. How does that work? How do you balance the time between each? Are they all under one umbrella? Do you continue to keep those separate and want, and run Night Swim Coffee together? Would love to hear how you guys kind of, and I don't even want to say merged brands, but how you guys go about that. Yeah, so we, you know, in the beginning when we started talking about this, we didn't have like a, a set formula, what we were going to follow um, or, or a set plan. You know, we threw out ideas like all of the locations becoming undercurrent coffee or all of the locations becoming not just coffee. And then we sat down with our attorney one day and it sort of came up in that conversation, realizing how hard that would be for either of us and realizing that that could create sort of unnecessary, you know, problems down the line because we realized we're both so emotionally attached to our current brands. Our current brands are distinctly different, even though, yeah. you know, there's a lot of similarities. Um, and so we decided to shelve that idea at the time being, and and we said, well, let's come up with a new brand. Um, and then that really added another level of excitement, I feel like, because we were able to collaborate and build something from scratch together, which I think was really important. Um, but as of now, we have the three different brands, and there is some split in ownership between our current, um, or the old brands, um, whereas the new brand is completely you know, owned 50-50. Um, but what we've done is we've taken our senior staff and, and our operations directors and our kitchen directors, and they manage all the platforms together. So we've created wow. a bunch of efficiencies, and we hired Juliana Luna, formerly from Living Kitchen, um, as our vice president of operations. And she's been incredible to help work with our, you know, our um, senior staff and, and manage all 12, soon to be 12 cafes at, at, as yeah. one. Wow. So we manage them together as three distinct concepts, but under one umbrella. The economics are a little bit different. And then the roastery is part of the Night Swim partnership that sells coffee to all 12 shops. The undercurrents, not just coffees, all new Night Swims. And then that's another huge focus of our business to aggressively grow, you know, super premium, high quality, 
roasted coffee product around the country, not just to our cafes, but other cafes, restaurants, direct consumer, grocery stores, things like that. I mean, you know, we're in the nascent stages of doing that, but we were very fortunate to have a really great foundation of 11 fairly high volume coffee shops able to buy that coffee from us from day one. So that was sort of part of the strategy and thesis for that roastery. And so far it's worked incredibly well, despite a very difficult and challenging environment in green coffee buying and inflation in general for every single resource that we consume, like every other business. So that's been the challenge that so many of us have faced. But outside of that, the um, the, the top line business portion has been exceptional. Um, and we've been really fortunate. And developing this organization together is, you know, fraught with challenges. It's there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces, a, a lot of employees and locations and three brands and legacy. And so we're still working trying to move through those things, make the best choices to set ourselves up cohesively um, for growth. And, you know, we're not quite done with that first stage of just getting everything done so we can grow, but we're getting closer and closer as we figure out how to run these three things. Because we did things differently. We do things differently. We, one of the strengths is that we have different opinions on how things should be done. It's also one of the challenges. Mm -hmm. And we knew that going into it. And I think what we realized is there's very few, if any, people that we could have these problems with and get through them constructively than each other, than our respective teams. So I think that's played out so far, and we certainly have a long way to go in front of us, but we're pretty excited about that prospect. Awesome. How do you guys come up with the, um, this is just curious, like are you guys in there, you know, coming up with the ideas on what the next coffee, you know, is gonna taste like? Like, I kind of look, like think of like breweries in general, like some of the names and some of the the beers that come out, you're like, how in the world did they come up with that, right? Like. Mm -hmm. Were they just all drinking some beers and be like, let's throw honey in there and see what happens? Um, I, bet with, I, I bet with beer that was probably the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably they're like, this, this tastes amazing. So for you guys, like, tell us what makes, you know, Night Swim Coffee so unique and how do you guys come up with the different flavors and ideas and styles of, of coffee? I'm very curious around kind of the creation of it because it seems like something that can be, you know, just so you, right? Like so unique to you and, and, and do it the way that you want. So we have um, a roasting team, Evan Wood, um, Rory, and Betsy. Um, the three of them sort of manage that entire um, part of the business for us. And we're, we're heavily involved and, you know, we meet once a week. But really, they are the ones that are um, developing the roast profiles, you know, sourcing, tasting, the t roasting the green coffee, tasting them, cupping them, um, determining which ones. And then they'll let us know and we discuss. And if we have thoughts or opinions on it, for sure, we'll weigh in. Um, you know, our, I think our goal... And Todd, you can feel free to interject here at any point. But I think our goal is just we want the best quality and we want to source ethically and source great right. green. And, um, you know, I mean, honestly, the, the roasting team has been so incredible. It's taken so much work off of our plates because yeah. that would be a huge learning curve for us. I mean, neither of us have been roasters in the past. Yeah. Yeah. As James said, we're, we're fairly hands off in the day to day. But I think we did a really good job laying the foundation of what we wanted up front. And we had about a full year before we opened that Evan, our, our director of coffee and lead roaster, worked with us and spoke to us. And we explained and showed over, over the course of a year what we want, what we want the foundational blends to be, how important they were, what kind of single origin program we wanted, the way we want it to be done. But once they had that information, and Evan had significant and tremendous experience himself, and then Rory and Betsy came from Undercurrent and Not Just Coffee, respectively, had the same input. We now trust them to execute that vision and put their own unique stamp on that. So you know, we now we sort of are riding the ship, if anything. But they're the ones actually day to day executing 
the vision and doing the things that you described in your in your question. Which I think is like, you know, f- to be good leaders and good owners of a business, especially at scale, you know, it's important for us to have the parameters that we are okay to work within and to set, like, like Todd said, the foundation, you know, set um, sort of the, you know, the guidelines. But as we grow, there's only so many, there's only, you know, there's only so many of us as owners. And it's important. The most important thing is getting the, the qualified people that work under us or work with us um, to really do that hands-on job. And we, you know, we have to set those, you know, kind of guidelines. But then after that, you know, that growth can only come by bringing, you know, more people with more skills on, you know, onto the team um, to help with that. Yeah. I love it. Do you guys ever, when you, when you taste the coffee, you just both look at each other like, oh, that's a banger right there. That's going to be perfect. All the time. Yep. Oh yeah. See, that's what I'm, that's the answer I'm talking about. I love what you just said about growing a business. I think a lot of people on uh, the podcast that we've had in the past that have been successful, that's one of the struggles that a lot of business owners have is to maybe take that finger off mm-hmm. the day to day or you know maybe trust somebody uh, to take that next step. But I think all of them that have been successful doing that are okay with those employees making a mistake, but giving them the, the freedom to go out there and own it, right? You know, own that part of the process and then give them the ability to grow in the business. And the only way to do that is to really step back, right? Give those people the opportunity. So I think that's really cool. You know, before we, um, we we let you guys go, you guys have a lot of different locations. What's the best way for people to find out about your coffee, go taste your coffee? Is it check out the website? Let us know how people can get in touch with you. And also, if there are, you know, those real estate guys that are texting you or real estate ladies uh, that, that want the next location, guess what? You, they're all in one email now. We can all reach out to them together. But tell us, what's the best way for our audience to get in touch with you guys? Well, you can email us at info at nightswimcoffee.com. Um, but I would encourage people to go on our website, you know, look over our coffee offerings and then visit us at the roastery location because that is a unique location. You know, we, you know, that was something Todd and I talked a lot about is that we wanted a full service cafe in the space with the roastery because I think, you know, being able to go in there, see the coffees that were roasted right behind the glass wall and talk to the baristas there and even talk to our roasting team. That's where you will really get sort of the foundational experience of Night Swim Coffee and what we're trying to do with that. Cool. Before, I, last question. I have to know, how did you come up with the name Night Swim? Because uh, night swimming is awesome. Just yeah. The way it is. <laughs> yeah, great. That's, I mean, that's essentially the answer. Yep. Um, you know, we went through a process for a few months realizing we thought that this would, might be the hardest part of this process, especially in the beginning, since we had two brands that we both really liked and were totally cool with already. Um, and, you know, and naming something new like that and something so important and something together, we figured it would be very challenging. We spent you know, several weeks, maybe in a few months, just have brainstorming, having lists that our children, our, our friends would throw names on there. And there might've been 40 or 50 names on that list. Some were good. Um, most of those were already used somewhere in the world. And, um, you know, were probably off limits to us. But uh, one day it was in February of 2020, right as COVID was sort of on the, starting to be talked about, my wife and I were in Durham and walked into this boutique hotel, saw a poster on the wall that said Night Swim, had a wave under it. And it was really cool. I took a picture. I sent it to James. I said, nice one, coffee. And uh, he didn't respond. And we texted each other. <laughs> and then about, I showed Aaron. I'm like, nice one, coffee. He's like, oh, that's so cool. And then we forgot about it. And then we went back home. And maybe 10 days later, I was meeting with Miracle and James at Nacho's Coffee in J Street. And we were talking about names at the end of this meeting. And then as Miracle stood up and we were, finished the conversation. I'm like, hey, what about Night Swim? Like, you know, that te- and James like, what? You know, that text I sent you. And he pulls it open and very quickly, James liked it. We brought Miracle mm-hmm. back over. I knew what Aaron thought already. She was really into it. And we started talking about it. 
And just like what you just said, nice swimming is fun. That's the essence of it, and there's more to it than that, but we just realized that this is something that has meaning to all of us, to all four of us, that has meaning to a lot of people, maybe even most people. Um, for us, it's nostalgic, unfortunately. That's mostly what it is, but it has some really valuable nostalgic properties. It's edgy, it's interesting, it's fun, it sort of invokes presence. You know, there's so many things in life where we are not present, but mm-hmm. with that, we are, and that's those are a lot of the experiences we try to emulate with our coffee and or our coffee shops. And we just thought it would be a cool, unique name and a lot of things we can do branding-wise with it. So very quickly, very quickly, we just sort of stopped on that. And I think yeah, we're as all Yeah, as soon as I, Todd reminded me of that, it was like instantaneous. I was like, oh, I love it. Like, and, and that was after looking over tons of names where it's like yeah. you kind of just get in your head. And you're like, oh, this sounds cool, but actually this sucks. And so it was, it was pretty unanimous immediately. Yeah, that was exciting. That was a, that was a lot of fun to get that off of our plate. Mm-hmm. And... We, also, we, we became very excited about the process in front of us. I think I was a little, and I think we all were, a little nervous about creating this new thing, whatever name it was, that wasn't the name of the things that we had previously created and loved. Like, are we going to love this and feel excited to create? Right. To put so many financial and time and other resources behind this and not feel as good about it. But it turns out we actually became even more excited as a result of that. And, you know, that was just a part of the puzzle, but that was a really fun one to come up with. Yeah, we got to, to work with Matt Stevens, who's a Charlotte designer and did just an amazing job, we feel, with our branding and our color scheme. And he was awesome to work with. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, well, this is fantastic. I hope everybody that's listening will, will definitely check it out. Uh, like we always mentioned, you know, like, share, comment, uh, go on nightswimcoffee.com. Uh, thank you, Miracle and Aaron, for allowing James and Todd to come and speak on your behalf <laughs> on this amazing brand. But congratulations to all of you guys. Um, this thank is you. a it's really cool to hear, you know, stories like this and, and it's just energizing, right? Just like coffee. Yeah. So um, I love it and uh, and really appreciate both of you guys coming on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Guys, thanks so much. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks, thank guys. you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Love it. Well, Todd and James, thank you. Until next time, you have been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.